What's cracking, kids? I'm Chuck Wild, and this is the Nomad Theory. But who is Chuck Wild? I went to college straight after high school and earned an Army ROTC scholarship. hoo Here we come, Uncle Sam! Right? Well, maybe not. In 2015, I dropped out of college and began flipping houses with my dad. After successfully flipping two properties with him and reading 100,000 self-help books, the startup bug bit me, and I thought I was ready to jump in the world of entrepreneurship and become a millionaire. So, a longtime friend, Brett, and I did just that. Minus the millionaire part. We started a residential contracting company. We owned all our own tools, an LLC, paid taxes, tested out some super expensive marketing strategies, and worked like animals. We were stacking bills and living thrills. Brett and I continued contracting as a legal entity for over a year and a half. It was a rewarding business, working with our hands to create something beautiful, and it paid better than any other job I could get as a 21-year-old, until my millennial mind got restless. I faced the usual, am I doing the right thing with my life, questions that every privileged white person has. I fell in love, then I had my heart broken. I made a lot of money, and I lost a lot of money. You could call it a relatively rapid cycle of emotional change. We were making good money, it's true. But I was also depressed and more anxious than ever. I saw most of my high school peers living the college experience, as they like to call it, and chilling every weekend like student loan debt didn't exist. While my friends followed the college path, I found myself nearly alone, wearing khaki pants and a polo shirt, endlessly searching for our next bathroom remodeling gig. One day, my best friend, Rodney, who was studying at State University, asked Brett, my business partner, and I if we wanted to join him for a three-week backpacking trip through South America before he started studying abroad in Lima, Peru. It was late 2016, and the contracting market was heating up, so we had a hard choice. Stay in the United States and keep making money to buy rental properties and eventually earn financial freedom, or live on the edge and gear up for a once-in-a-lifetime adventure. It might go without saying, based on the title of this podcast, but we took that leap and bought our tickets. Several months of hardcore planning, and we developed a three-week itinerary that could rival that of any Lonely Planet guidebook. Our trifecta was packed and ready to jet. What could go wrong? Good question. Most college sophomores think the you only live once thing is always a solid move. In hindsight, Rodney might say otherwise. Just a month before our departure date, I went to visit Rodney at his university for a weekend of unlimited alcohol and awful rap music. Within eight hours of arriving, his fellow students had entered a state of violent fervor after winning an important bowl game. For some illogical reason that I can't understand, 
It's now a tradition to destroy your own school's campus if your home team wins. In other words, a riot broke out, and thousands of belligerent students poured out onto the chilly main street, throwing empty liquor bottles, pulling down lampposts, jumping on cars, and breaking windows. The situation was exhilarating, to say the least, and of course, conducive to poor decision-making. Rodney and I stood up upon a hill, watching the scene elaborate as a hundred armored riot officers marched towards the hoarded student body, brandishing batons and plastic shields. Behind them, a formation of mounted cavalry officers directed the troops like Napolitanic lords. To our right, an intoxicated frat boy shared the view. He turned to us, pointing a red solo cup towards the crowded street below, and said, You guys should go smack that horse's ass. To be a man of character, a man must have character. In this situation, our only real character came from a simple maxim called Lote, which when spelled out using all the letters, means live on the edge. We looked at each other, shrugged, and started barreling down the hill towards the first available horse arse and lifted our hands for a solid strike. Smack! That single automatopoeia would ring through my cerebral caverns every day for the next year and a half. I immediately ran back up the hill to safety, turning only quickly enough to witness the same horse we just defiled buck up and charge after a skinny white dude wearing a black Columbia fleece. No! What are you doing, Rodney? He had taken off down the street, and the officer zeroed in on his collar. Like a bad guy from Spider-Man, Rodney was lifted from the ground and dropped again in a swarming circle of shielded foot soldiers. Rodney was done for. They took his ID, future plans, and right to leave the country, all with a pile of paperwork. What the heck are we going to do now? Brett and I asked ourselves. The tickets were bought, reservations were made, but we wouldn't be traveling as a trifecta. Over the following weeks before leaving, Brett started acting a little funny. We got into arguments about who should go get fresh paint or where to get lunch. We knew each other almost 10 years, worked together three of them, and never got in a fight. Was it the pre-trip jitters? Financial worries? Language barriers? I don't know. But once Brett and I arrived in Punta Arenas, Chile, the arguments grew more severe. We would scream at each other in the face, both claiming the other was wrong, too prideful to compromise. Then it happened. It was a perfect storm. An opportunity for me to turn the tables and give Brett a dose of his own medicine. We all know that choice where we feel responsible to show the other person how they've been making you feel. Because if they knew, they'd stop doing it, right? Wrong. My attempt to emotionally educate Brett backfired, sending him charging away in a fury. We shared a tent that night, after getting split up all day. But in the morning, I found his side of the shelter empty, and I never saw Brett again. God bless his soul. Really. If it weren't for our argument, Brett and I would have headed right back to contracting 
and hopefully found some happiness owning rental properties for the rest of our lives. Thankfully, this didn't happen. A couple days on my own, and it quickly became obvious that the original three-week schedule didn't provide enough time to truly experience South America. So I canceled all my flights. Over the next 11 months, I made my way from Punta Arenas, Chile to Lima, Peru. I discovered travel techniques that allowed me to spend more time in the coolest places, learn Spanish fluently in under seven months, budget effectively, and meet amazing people without going broke in the process. During several periods, I lived for entire months on less than a dollar a day. In one special circumstance, went 30 days without spending a single penny. By no means were all of these experiences pleasant, but even in the moment, I knew the memories would be priceless. Which is why I kept a daily journal detailing my thoughts, theories, and stories. On this podcast, I'll discuss the principles of the nomad theory and interview people who embody the nomadic mindset. Catch me every week for a new episode of The Nomad Theory, where I look for the best ways people can take a guilt-free gap year and learn something without going broke. I'm Chuck Wild, and this is The Nomad Theory. Stay wild, folks. Also, thank you to Juanitos for their song, Reggae Parte. If you have any questions about this week's episode or The Nomad Theory itself, send me a message at thenomadtheory at gmail.com, and I'll get right back to you. Thanks for listening, and stay wild, folks.